When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, today we're debating the age of the universe and we are starting right now. With our guest, Avi's opening statement. Thanks, Avi, very much for being here. Avi is taking the position that the universe is in fact more than 6,000 years old and the floor is all yours, Avi. All right, let's just get started. So um, we'll start with a formal argument. Uh, the main argument, uh, sharing my screen, is it coming through, James? You can see it? Okay, cool. So the main argument is if light traveled a distance of over 89,944 light years at an average speed of less than 15 C, or 15 times the speed of light, then the age of the universe is greater than 6,000 years old. That is takes the form of P implies Q. Premise two is light traveled a distance of over 89,944 light years at an average speed of less than 15 C. That is asserting P. Uh, conclusion is the age of the universe is greater than 6,000 years old. Um, that is, uh, implies Q. Uh, this is known, I'm sure uh, Candace is familiar with this, this is known as the starlight problem. Various creationists are familiar with the starlight problem. Various answers have been uh, attempted to be provided for the starlight problem. Um, one uh, attempted answer is that uh, we're not, we don't know how far the distance of these stars are. Um, the claim would be that they're just measured by luminosity. It's actually not true anymore. Um, the Gaia mission actually has measured by parallax trigonometry because mil millions, if not a about a billion dollars, have been put into the technology to measure very, very small angles up, uh, at the order of arc seconds or um, a billionth of a degree around there. Uh, and because of that, we're able to, to actually resolve these uh, very uh, tiny, uh, narrow triangles. Angles. Uh, so actually, we can uh, measure this with parallax at this point. So we do, we are able to resolve these distances uh, that are further out than 6,000 uh, light years. Another attempt is the CBK uh, approach, which is uh, put forth by individuals like Barry Setterfield, uh, that uh, involved the decaying speed of light over time. However, the issue is even if you grant that the speed of light is not a constant and you use the regressions in the Setterfield data set, which I have looked over and I have done, uh, they actually don't give you enough time because it would still have to, given the distances that we observed, they'd have to travel at 15 times the speed of light on average, Not, and it hasn't even touched that based on the regressions of that data set, even if you extrapolate it out and assume that the speed of light in the past has been increasing exponentially. Um, another attempt is that, um, as mentioned in Isaiah, that God has stretched the heavens. Um, and this attempt is attempts to resolve that issue by saying God stretched the heavens. This doesn't work either because even if we assume that all the stars that we see now were once in 6,000 light years of proximity and they were stretched out 
um, we would still, at that close distance, we would still expect to see an increasing angle in our parallax uh, observations, which have been measured over different time points, and we don't see that. There are many other problems with that as well, involving its gravitational effects, involving its energy effects. If all the stars were really that close, um, it may even be enough energy to melt the Earth. But the biggest issue, actually, is, ju is just we don't observe those um, parallaxes. Um, but for, ultimately, since I've put my argument in a formal argument, um, this is a modus tollens argument. It's a deductively valid argument. So if uh, Kent would like to reject the argument, he would need to reject uh, one of the premises. He would need to either reject P1 or P2. I'll also note that these premises have supporting arguments of their own. So if he wants to reject one of the premises, then there will be uh, deductively valid supporting arguments for each of those premises, and he'll have to reject one of those premises, and down the uh, deductive tree would go. Um, I'll also note that given that uh, Kent is taking the con position and not the uh, agnostic position, he'll actually have to show that one of the premises is false or else he'll just be agnostic on an argument, a deductively valid argument, which if it goes through, uh, would actually result in the proposition going through. Um, so one last thing I'll say before we, uh, I will uh, see uh, the remainder of my time, um, can see the remainder of my time to uh, Kent, is what this debate is. The debate proposition is the age of the universe is greater than 6,000 years old. Uh, what this debate is not is a debate about is not a debate about evolution. Um, whether evolution happened or not is compatible with the age of the universe being greater than 6,000 years old. There's no contradiction there. Uh, whether um, it is also not about the age of the Earth. Whether the age of the Earth is greater than 6,000 years old is also uh, compatible with the universe being greater than 6,000 years old. Same thing goes for Jupiter, Mars, um, you name it. Um, and so, as long as I can show that there is something, some ma matter or energy that is greater than 6,000 years old, then that's given that the universe assumes everything, I can show that the universe is greater than 6,000 years old. So I hope we can keep the debate on point and we can focus on uh, the actual deductive argument. And I would, I hope we can know which premise is rejected. And I look forward to discussing the starlight problem and the various, there, there are other, um, there are other answers, of course. There's time dilation, the answers proposed. There's uh, all sorts of, um, today it's still debated, but none of, unfortunately, none of the arguments, um, none of the proposed solutions to the starlight problem are actually compelling. Um, but yeah, so I'd like to know which premise is rejected given the deductively valid argument. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give a remainder of my time to uh, Ken. Thank you very much. We appreciate that opening statement from Avi. Want to let you know, folks, as you can see at the bottom right of your screen, we are a neutral debate platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics here at Modern Day Debate. And we also want to let you know, folks, our guests are linked in the description. So if you'd like to hear more from either of our guests, and that includes if you're listening via podcast, because Modern Day Debate, we were excited to say, is available on your favorite podcast app now. Want to let you know you can find both Kent and Avi's link to their sources in the description of that podcast episode as well as here on YouTube. So thanks so much, Kent. The floor is all yours. We're glad to have you back. Well, thank you. It's good to be back. And thank you, Avi. Good to meet you. And uh, enjoyed that. So we were so short. I was hoping to get about 45 minutes to talk about the age of the Earth, the universe, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Uh, people just have to get my video series. I've been producing videos for years on science and the Bible. My seminar part one uh, talks about the age of the Earth and covers all the arguments you covered in great detail, but I can't cover it all in five minutes here. I'll work at it. Uh, so you can call 855-BIG-DINO to come visit our dinosaur adventure land in Lenox, Alabama. We're having a blast. I, I look at the age of the universe and the age of the Earth and everything from several different perspectives. 
Um, one is, what does the Scripture teach? I mean, that's the birth certificate. What did God say about it? Assuming, you know, I believe the Bible is true, and I think it's never been proven wrong. In the Ten Commandments, God said very clearly that you should remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, because in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is. Here's God claiming, and he wrote it on a rock with his own finger, uh, that he made everything in six days, heaven and earth in six days. He said it again in Exodus 31. Now, of course, some people say, I don't believe the Bible. Okay, well, that's fine. I'm telling you, my position is I do believe it. I think it's been proven over and over many different ways to be historically accurate, scientifically accurate in every detail. God said it's a sign, talking about the Sabbath, between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth the sea, and on the seventh day rested. So the scripture certainly teaches the earth is not billions of years old. The age of the earth, there we go, got your picture in there. So in my video series, I talk about a variety of things, including uh, the Big Bang theory. The Big Bang is certainly teaching that the, they don't like the word Big Bang. They say it was a rapid expansion. You mentioned the verse in Isaiah. Obviously, there's actually 17 verses in the Bible that talk about the universe or the God stretching out the heavens. That would, of course, mean the stars could be any distance away and still be only 6,000 years old. So in my video number seven, my q and I'd have a long session on the age of the universe based on the starlight question. In the book of Nehemiah, he said, thou hast made the heaven, the heaven of heavens. So many times in the Bible, the, the Bible claims, at least, that God made it. Now, astronomers have observed a star blowing up about every 30 years. They call it a nova. If it's a big one, they call it a supernova. It appears that they are blowing up. There have only been less than 300 supernovas ever seen, uh, de you know, determined, uh, uh, visualized. So that would be only less than 10,000 years. There should be lots more supernovas if, indeed, the universe is billions of years old. And, of course, that begs the obvious question, how did the stars get started? Nobody has ever seen a star form. All we've ever seen are stars blowing up. So the idea that there was a miraculous instantaneous creation of everything, and then from here it's winding down, that certainly fits all the physics. Everything we know is winding down. The first and second laws of thermodynamics are very clear on that. So there's no observable evidence for how a star could make itself to begin with, let alone all the stars fit into a dot, the Big Bang, et cetera. So the, the, the dates given in the Bible add up to 6,000. The scientific evidence is from the stars, less than 10,000, just based on supernovas. There have only been three or four completely reliable observations of supernova in our galaxy. Ah, 1054, et cetera. How many supernovas have been observed so far? Using telescopes, this guy said more than 10,000 have been observed. Oh, I don't know about that. Astronomers reckon there are only three or four completely reliable observations. So they're making this up. We see stars blow up. We also see the galaxies are spinning and having spiral arms on them. The spiral arm should be smoothed out, dissipated if they've been spinning for billions of years. If star births uh, should equal, at least equal star deaths, and nobody's ever seen a star forming. There's estimate now 70 sextillion stars is the current estimate based on the telescopes. That's how many stars they think are out there, 70 sextillion. You divide that by 20 billion years, there should be, let's say, million, billion, uh, three and a half trillion stars forming every year. Six million stars forming every minute. We've never seen one. Not one star has been observed to form. Star births should at least equal star deaths, and we don't see any star births. So I think it's much more logical to say, okay, maybe everything was created and it's winding down. That's what we observe from all of science is the second law of thermodynamics. Things are falling apart.
Back in 86, they knew the silent embarrassment of modern astrophysics is we don't know how a single one of these stars managed to form. We don't know how stars form. It's imagination. I can give you all day on that. The origin of stars is an unsolved problem for contemporary physics. No one understands how star formation proceeds. It's remarkable. All we're seeing is the destruction. That's all we see in everything, every area of life. We see things winding down. Second law of thermodynamics. God claims that he made the stars and he gives the number to all the stars. He counts them. You know how many there are. He says, "You stars that be uh, waters, heaven of heavens, that waters that be above the heavens. I'm one of those who believes, I don't ask the taxpayers to pay my salary while I teach it, but I believe there used to be a canopy of water above the atmosphere. All the ancient Jews have taught that, uh, that there was a crystalline canopy two or three inches thick above the atmosphere and another layer of ice above the stars. Apparently from Psalm 148, there was water above the heavens. Uh, he, he layeth his beams in the chambers in the waters. He walks upon the waters, it says, it's all through the scripture. So maybe everything we see is in a big glass ball on God's dresser that he picks up and shakes once in a while. But it's estimated there are stars, enough individual, every individual could own 11 trillion stars. You mentioned about the telescopes and parallax trigonometry. I, would, I taught trig for years. I would love to see the math on that one. I, I do not believe it for one second that they can measure those angles from a moving target. The earth is moving around the sun pretty rapidly. The earth and sun together are moving around in a circle and the earth is spinning. And you've got all these things and you're saying you can measure, what was it? Um, a billionth of a degree. I'd have to see that. Yeah. And I would, I would, I, or, I think or a micro arc second, yeah. Yeah, micro, oh, micro arc second, okay. So the viewing area they looked at uh, above the Big Dipper was one thirtieth the size of a full moon or about the size of a grain of sand held at arm's length. They looked at it for 10 days. They realized there are more stars in that little area than that they never knew about. They couldn't count them in that size of a grain of sand at arm's length. There are more stars out there. Stars are so far away, all we see is a pinpoint of light. All they really observe is the color of their light. Uh, that was from Stephen Hawking, okay? So to measure the distance to an object like a star, you can have to know one side or two angles or one angle and two sides, simple trigonometry, sine, cosine, tangent. Well, first diameter is only 8,000 miles or slightly less than that if you want to get technical. So the diameter of, this, of the Earth's orbit is used, which is 93 million miles. Well, that's only eight light minutes. It takes light eight minutes to get from the sun to the Earth. So the diameter of our orbit is about 16 light minutes. There are 525,000 minutes in one year. So if you have an orbit of Earth's orbit is 16 light minutes, and you're trying to measure one light year at 525,000 miles, change it all to inches, that would be 8.3 miles. I'm sorry, inches should have been. So you have 16 inches compared to 8.3 miles. And I don't think you can tell exactly where you were six months ago. They've been talking about this for a long time. I point out that even if the stars are billions of light years away, it doesn't matter. That doesn't prove the age of the universe because there are many obvious assumptions there. The stretching of the heavens is one of them. God claimed he made it mature. How old was Adam on day one? Well, day six when he was made. Adam was in the prime of life, 67. So he was the perfect age. He was a full-grown man, ready to name animals, walk, talk, and get married first day. So I think a mature creation, including the stars, with the light already showing, and the stars being stretched out is what the scripture teaches. So I hold to the position nobody has ever proven 
that the universe is more than 6,000 years old with any method, and starlight certainly won't do it, because you have to, based on the assumption that the speed of light has always been constant, we know the speed of light has decayed and can be changed. I taught physics for years. You can change, you can alter the speed of light in your lab, in a high school laboratory. So anyway, I watched my video seven, if you would. There's a whole lot of stuff on the Hubble constant and the, how do they say the universe is 13 billion years old, but it's 156 billion light years wide. That's what they're teaching now. Hold it. 13 billion years, in 13 billion years, it expanded to 156 billion. I'd say that's a stretching out. They say it's stretching out 11 times faster than the speed of light. And yet you want to use the distance to a star to say this book is wrong because this book teaches 6,000 years, roughly, and you don't believe that for some reason, which is fine, And there, because the starlight's not going to show that. Uh, the dis distance to measure uh, inter intergalactic measurements, they've tried all sorts of ways to do that, and I'll be glad to talk about it in detail if you'd like. They try luminosity. They say, well, this star's brighter than another. Well, that's obvious as obvious assumptions because you get the inverse square law involved with luminosity. But uh, I, I would encourage you to think about a couple of things. Scientists cannot measure the distance more than 100 light years accurately. No one knows for sure what light is, and we do not know that it's always traveled at the same speed. The whole theory behind a black hole, which scientists claim there are lots of black holes, okay, well, then you can't say light travels at the same speed because it can be attracted by gravity. If light can be attracted by gravity, then you can have a black hole. They slowed light down to 38 miles an hour 30 years ago, or 20 years ago. In uh, the year 2000, they slowed light down to one mile an hour. Then at Harvard, they slowed it down to a dead stop. So the speed of light has not proven to be consistent, certainly could not be proven to be the same all through space and all through time. Uh, they succeeded in holding a light pulse still back in 2003. Scientists broke the ultimate speed barrier, the speed of light. They speeded light up to 300 times the speed of light. New York Times back 20 years ago. So the speed of light has apparently decreased so rapidly, experimental error cannot explain it. All the observations for the last 50 years show the speed of light decaying until the 1960s, when they started using the, the cesium-133 atom as a base. So you're using light to measure light. You have a rubber ruler. If the light is decreasing, so is your ruler at the same speed. This is freshman law 101. Anybody could prove that wrong. This guy said the speed of light was 10 billion times faster at time zero back in 87. Speed of light was exceeded by a factor of 100. So the idea of the Big Bang, which they now call, they don't say it was an explosion, they say it was a rapid expansion. Okay, well, a shocking possibility is the speed of light might change. Speed of light may have changed over history. Nothing's reliable, not even the speed of light. We've shown that a times-varying speed of light could provide a resolution to the well-known cosmological problems, and I've got tons of stuff on that from the guys who wrote articles about it in uh, London Sunday Times back 20 years ago. Anyway, uh, I, I think I would be wise to say, uh, Avi, uh, the Bible clearly teaches, and Jesus clearly taught that the creation of Adam was the beginning. Uh, I'm sure as a you know, non-practicing Jew, you don't care what Jesus thought, but certainly the, the philosophy of life is very different. Did man bring death into this planet, or did death bring man into the planet, into, into this world? And they're just polar opposite uh, philosophies, and they bring about polar opposite uh, uh, worldviews, and, and which influences everything about you. So I think the speed of light has been demonstrated that it can be speed, speeded up or slowed down. We don't know the measure distance to those stars. You simply cannot measure. Most people say 100 light years. Some people say 500. All right, I'll give them 5,000. But you cannot measure 20 billion or 13.772 billion light years. It just it can't be done. 
So they're dreaming. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Go ahead. And time. Thank you very much for both of your opening statements. Want to let you know, folks. If you haven't heard, we are absolutely thrilled this coming Monday, a juicy debate on whether or not there is evidence for Bigfoot with Team Skeptic and his partner against Pat and his partner. It's going to be epic, folks. You don't want to miss it. So do hit that subscribe button right now, as well as that notification bell, so you don't miss that debate, as well as many other juicy debates coming up here on Modern Day Debate. So we're going to go into the open discussion section. And so, gentlemen, you're both experienced debaters. You're both professional. We trust that this can go easygoing in terms of me not being too involved during the open discussion. But if it does get rowdy, I will jump in and break it into kind of like three-minute intervals. And so with that, the floor is all yours, gentlemen. Thank you. Okay. Um, so I'll just respond to what has been said here. So the first thing I'll note is that not a single premise of my argument was rejected. So again, I proposed a deductively valid argument uh, in order to for the argument to not go through, a premise needs to be rejected. That being said, I'll still go through the things that Kent said and um, respond to them. Um, the first thing is not enough supernova. That's tangential to the debate proposition because that doesn't show that the age of the universe is less than or equal to 6,000 years old. It also relies on several assumptions of its own, assuming that the light of different supernovas will reach us yet. It assumes that the amount of expected supernovas uh, that you would anticipate uh, to occur. Uh, and yeah, those are the two assumptions. Then even if we grant those assumptions, it still doesn't show the age of the universe is uh, less than or equal to the 6K because it's compatible with an age that's greater than 6K. Um, spinning galaxies, again, same, same issue. It doesn't show the age of the universe to be less than or equal to 6K. Star births, same thing. Um, we don't know how the star formed. That's just tangential. It also doesn't show the age uh, is equal less than 6K. Uh, parallax trigonometry is showing the measurements. We'd be, I'd be happy to go through the papers and we can show exactly how they um, go th their methodology and their results. Um, I'll also add with the uh, distance, the um, diameter is actually a little bit more, not more than the, uh, the distance from the Earth to the Sun because uh, the Gaia mission telescope is actually at Lagrange point too. It's a bit of a nitpick but it does add actually a little bit of distance but that's fine um mature supernova star um existence problem um again i'm not sure how this shows that the age of the universe is less than six thousand years old stretching the heaven heavens i've addressed this already the problem with that is that we would expect the parallax angles to increase over time if that was the case we don't see that um 11 times faster than the speed of light stretching out. Um, actually, you need to have an average of six, uh, sorry, 15 times the speed of light to get enough distance to, for compatible with 6,000 years old. Um, speed of light has slowed, irrelevant. That only adds more time. It actually needs to be 15 times faster. Um, CDK, uh, you've uh, mentioned, I saw one of the slides you've posted. Um, I'm familiar with what paper that comes from. Um, Actually, you mentioned that in 1960s, the uh, level there was a leveling off of the measured speed of light. Um, that's actually not true. If you look at the actual data set, it leveled off a little bit before that. I'm happy to show you the data set in Setterfield's uh, collection. Um, if we look at the um, if we look at the data set for Setterfield's collection, it actually um, even if we exclude the data points before atomic clocks. So I understand the argument, of course, that. The speed of light, uh, measuring the speed of light with atomic clocks are basically relying on light itself. So you have a rubber ruler. We don't more, need those data points. About 30 more seconds I can give you because we're just going to jump into sure. three-minute intervals because sure. this has been a little bit long. Sure. Um, ten, uh, and 10 billion times faster uh, theories based on the initial first seconds of the Big Bang anyway. And that wouldn't even uh, apply to stars both on our views because uh, stars are created on the fourth day. So 
Gotcha. And then, uh, Kent, I'll give you the same time, the exact same amount of time, which is about two minutes and 50 seconds. Well, to measure the distance uh, to uh, uh, one light year away, okay, one light year, if you're using Earth's orbit around the sun, you would have to say, okay, I can, I can remember exactly where we were six months ago on opposite side of this orbit. I just don't think that's possible. Maybe it is. I'd like to see how they did that, but I'll give them that. But the orbit of the Earth around the sun is 16 light minutes. Change that to 16 inches. The distance for one uh, light year here, 8.3 miles to measure one light year. That's a skinny triangle, 16 inches to eight miles. Now, if you want to measure 100 light years, 100 light years, you'd have to have two surveyors 16 inches apart, both looking at a dot in Chicago, 830 miles from my house here. And they, they don't know the distance to the dot. They see a dot in Chicago and they're 16 inches apart and all they have is how far out of parallel are their telescopes? How far towed in are they? You're 16 inches apart. You're both looking at the same dot, 830 miles away. But you're going to try to tell me the distance to that dot based on how far out of parallel they are. In any court of law with an honest judge, they would throw that out and laugh at you. That's to measure 100 light years. Now, if you want to rely on that, Avi, you can, obviously. But uh, I don't think that's common sense, for one thing. I certainly don't think you can tell exactly where you were six months ago around Earth's orbit. This telescope adds a little distance by being it orbiting around the Earth. Okay, what? How much? Another light So it, it doesn't, so it, it, it's, it's on um, Lagrange point two. Uh, so it doesn't add a whole lot. It adds about uh, 1.5 um, million miles, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it, it, with, with uh, sorry, sorry, 1.5 uh, million kilometers. So it goes from 150 million kilometers to 151.5 million kilometers. It's just a nitpick, like I said, um, but it oh, does okay. add a little bit of a bit. But that's not where the precision comes from. It comes from the accuracy of measuring very small angles. Sure. Well, the accuracy of measuring an angle, if, if I told you I can get two people in Pensacola, Florida, 16 inches apart with the most powerful telescopes in the world, and they're looking at a dot in Chicago that's 830 miles away, that would only be to measure 100 light years. That is a real skinny angle. And you, they say you want to measure 15 billion light years. I, I simply don't believe that. I don't think anybody just a quick, with a quick Just a quick question. Can, can, it, the claim is not that they're using parallax uh, triangulation to measure 15 billion light years. Um, I Obviously, that that's distance is not going to be able to be measured, um, even if you are able to resolve micro arc seconds, a resolution. Um, right. However, given that we have been able to resolve micro arc second base resolution, it pushes the parallax triangulation distance out to the order of tens of thousands of light years, uh, getting even up to close to 100 um, on the order of 100,000 light years. But no, you're not going to get a million light years or a billion light years. However, you right. will get at that resolution, you will get tens of thousands to 100,000 uh, light years if you actually do the math. You, you, anyone wants to do this at home, 151.5 uh, million kilometers multiplied by the tangent of um, the tangent of one divided by the uh, angle in degrees. Um, if you convert the arc seconds to degrees, you'll get around uh, a billionth of a degree or something like that. And, the, and that'll give you the kilometers converted into light years. And you want to get the tangent of a billionth of a degree. Yes. One, one billionth of one degree. Yes. And you're willing, you're willing to say, I just make sure I understand here, that God was lying in the Ten Commandments when he said he did it all in six days based on that. 
I don't see how that entails God lying. Um, but I just all I don't know how, I, if you want to say that draws any entailments. Uh, that's fine. But I want I do uh, accept the uh, measurements, and I we can go through the methodology if you'd like of the Gaia mission. Um, these are recent um, missions, <clears throat> actually not that recent anymore, but. Since uh, your original seminars on this topic, there have been uh, missions that have been billions of dollars, uh, about a billion dollars put into measuring just that small angles. They put a lot of money into the technology of measuring small angles. Uh, the most the, the most precise one was the, the Gaia mission. Um, and that is able to resolve micro arc seconds. And because of that, you're actually able to push that parallax triangulation out from what we, we previously were able to do from 100 light years 300 light years to tens of thousands of light years to hundreds of thousands of light years but you just said a minute ago you weren't relying on parallax as your to, to, for your premise to say the earth is more than six thousand years old and here yes, you are, you're you're relying on it again no no, no. just to be clear i'm not real i'm not relying on parallax for any view that there is a measurement further than hundreds of thousands of light years Okay. But I don't need to do that. I'm not. I don't need to do that because even I'm. What's relying? What's doing the work in the argument is relying on distance measurements and parallax triangulation for those stars that are tens of thousands to a hundred thousand light years. Once I have that data, I can make other inferences to make the argument go through. I'm not using any luminosity measurements. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just all the distance coming in is based on parallax triangulation measurements. Okay, let's let's assume for the argument that yes, that mm -hmm. star they're looking at is fifty thousand light years away. Does that therefore mean it's fifty thousand years for the light to get here? You now have to go to step two and demonstrate that the speed of mm -hmm. light has never yep. changed. No, well, I, well, I don't have to do that. I, I don't, don't actually, and that's and that's in my argument because I actually because even if I grant that the speed of light has been faster in the past, it's it still doesn't do enough for you. You actually have to get it to a certain speed, average velocity. Uh, sorry, a certain average speed or greater, in order for there to be enough time to reach it. So, just saying the speed of light was greater in the past is not enough. Even if if it was two times as fast, it still wouldn't be enough time. If it was three times, it wouldn't be enough time. Ten times faster, it wouldn't be enough time. It actually would have to have an average velocity, given the furthest parallax we've measured. Even if you take the lower estimate of that uncertainty it would have to be um, 15 times its current speed. And that's not consistent with the regressions of the uh, Barry uh, Setterfield's uh, data set. If you look at the um, speed of light that was measured over time, it's in fact, it's actually one of the, that data set, uh, part of that data set is in one of the slides you actually um, showed on screen um, from one of the uh, creation journals. So if you, if you were to take the integral of that uh, chart and you were to, to take, you would get the distance, and that doesn't actually turn out to be enough distance to cover, such that the speed of light would, even if it was faster, um, it wouldn't have, even if we assume it's exponentially faster, based on fitting that, fitting those data points, it actually wouldn't be enough time to get to 6,000 years. Uh, it would, you, you would need to, you would need more time for it to get here. Now we can talk about the expand, other answers like expanding. Um, there are issues with that as well. Um, but uh, if you have any, um, I really, I mean, here's the thing, um, like just to keep this um, structured, like I just like to know what premise is rejected because here's the, here's the thing, like in, I presented a formal argument, right? 
And if I presented a formally valid argument, there really does need to be a premise that's rejected here, or else the argument just goes through. So premise one, again, if light travels at a distance of 89K plus light years at an average speed of less than 15C, notice how there's less than 15C here. I'm not relying on the assumption that the speed of light is a constant. I'm just saying that if the average speed was less than 15 times its current value, then the age of the universe is less than 6,000 years old. Premise two okay. is search. Let's take, let's take yeah. one at a time. Is that You want to talk about that one? Yeah, okay. yeah sure. You're let's talk about one. You're, okay. You're telling me that if uh, light was traveling less than 15 times the speed of light, which is what C is, that it would mm -hmm. still make, prove the 6,000-year age for the, uh, um, the, the Bible teaches to be wrong. This, of course, ignores, in your argument here, ignores the stretching of the heavens. I think you'd find just about every textbook these days and every university is teaching mm -hmm. that the Big Bang was a rapid mm -hmm. expansion. They don't like to use the word explosion, but it's a, a rapid mm -hmm. expansion. So if the matter, it's, if space itself was expanding, which is what they're all teaching, I don't believe that, but they're going to say, mm -hmm. okay, space expanded. Well, then your distance to the star is meaningless, absolutely meaningless. It could have expanded from next door to me to out there in a microsecond and be 20 billion light years away in a microsecond yep. by the expansion I've, I've addressed, of the space. I've addressed this. Yeah, so I've addressed this. This So the, I responded to this already. So if you, even if you want to say that the heavens have expanded, at some point in order to for, this, for the light to have reached us from all these different stars, even if you want to say that each star just um, was stretched further away, they would have had to at some point been within a 600 light year radius of us in order for the light to at some point reach us. Um, and if that's the case at that starting point, what we would have expected to see if the age is really 600,000 light years is we would expect that the parallax angle would actually be increasing because what happens is when the air, when it's stretched away from us, what happens is if you imagine a photon coming down from that, that star that is being stretched away from us each time, that angle is going to, the parallax angle is going to increase. However, on the various different missions, we don't actually observe that at all. Um, and if you want to say that it's, we're already, if we, we don't observe it because we're already at the level where it's far away and it's not moving away from us. Well, then we're back to square one with the same problem because then how did we, how are we triangulating a constant uh, angle? And where you can't say the angle is going to be offset by a decrease in this, this type of direction because we can measure the same um, uh, distance from the, uh, Earth to Lagrange point two. Um, so that's the problem with saying the heaven stretches an answer for it. So the premise one still stands. Well, I disagree. Put it back up, would you? Um, you're saying sure. if it was yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it traveled if... at this distance at an average velocity of less than this speed, then the age of the universe is greater than six. Uh, thousand years old and if you reply with the stretching of the heavens i have an argument against that which i deployed well yeah i would still reply with the stretching of the heavens yeah. number one secondly i re re reply with the mature creation adam was full grown on day one could walk talk mm -hmm. name the animals and get married i think you're you're, you're mm -hmm. putting obviously limits on god who can't do that um if a star like the sun is uh, eight light minutes away okay if the stars mm -hmm. were created on day four like the bible says and then they were stretched out into place Adam would see the taillights of these stars as they're stretching out, and they would have a red shift, which is what we observe mm -hmm. with all of the stars. Why are they all red well, shifted? Just, just to real quick, um, Kent, so that actually doesn't reject premise one. That would be actually be a rejection of premise two. So 
remember premise one is is a uh, conditional so if saying if like so in other words if god i'm familiar with the answer that god created just like he can create an old uh man an old woman god could create an old universe and the photons would essentially be in place already um the issue with that is that's actually not a rejection of p1 that's a rejection of p2 and it has interesting entailments that you would have to bite the blood on we can talk about that actually now that i think about it the stretching of the uh, heavens may be also a, a rejection of p2 more than a rejection of p1 because if you want to say that then you would reject that light actually traveled over that distance but it wouldn't reject p1 that if light did travel over that distance at a speed less than that then the age of the universe greater than 6,000 years old. We'd actually had a mathematical entailment for the truth of that premise. Um, so that's well, fine. Wait, you can reject well, premise let's, two. Let's, let's yeah, take sure. an analogy that all people, there's all, all ages going to be watching this uh, from my program anyway. I want everybody to try to understand. If we saw Adam on day six, God makes Adam out of the dust. He raises him up. He says, Adam, you know, Adam could walk, talk, name the animals, get married. Let's assume Adam had a beard, just for an assumption. Could we measure the length of the rate his beard grows and calculate his age based upon the length of his beard? No, it was just created five minutes ago in place, intact. So I, I guess the God that I worship anyway is certainly capable of creating everything. It has to be a fully functioning universe. There has to be, Adam had to already have a digestive system and an integumentary system and all the systems in place ready to go. It doesn't work otherwise. You know, your car so is no the, good without yeah. a motor and a transmission. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with that answer. So here's here's my issue with that. Um, so the issue with saying that is even if that's true, if so if that's the case, if God really created, just like he can create Adam with a beard, he can create the stars with the photons already on the way. The problem with that is given that you, as you have admitted, we've observed supernovas. Um, and so we've observed stars come from a state of existence to non-existence. Um, and non-existence in the state is they've exploded. So the problem with that is when, if if that's true, then what that would mean is that when we're observing a star go supernova, we that star not only doesn't exist, but it never has existed because the light wouldn't have enough time to go back uh, to a point at which the star actually existed at a star. And so here's a premise that you would have to reject. It's one of the supporting arguments of the premise. So if you look at the syllogism, um, we'll go back to it. So one premise you'd have to reject. So you, that's a form of rejection of P2. So if you posit that the light is already in route, you're rejecting that light traveled a distance of over 89,000 light years at an average speed of less than 15 C. Um, there is a supporting argument for P2, which just breaks up the propositions that form P into RNS, which is light traveled at a distance of over uh, 89,000 light years, and this travel occurred at an average speed of less than 15 years, you want to reject P2, that light traveled at a distance of 89,000 light years by saying the photons were already created in route, just like God could create Adam with a beard. Um, there is a supporting argument uh, for P2, uh, which is if the distance from us to the star is 89,000 light years and travel and light traveled from the star to us through non-wormhole non space-time, then light traveled to us to a distance of at 89,944 light years. The distance from a star to us is 89,000. Light traveled from the star to us. Now you'll reject P3, that light traveled from the star to us. I have a supporting argument for P3, um, which is if all the stars in the sky have existed and we observe the star's light reaching us and the star's light traveled to us through non-wormhole space-time, then light traveled from the star to us. That takes the form of B and conjunction W, conjunction Y implies U. Uh, premise two is all the stars in the sky have existed. D, premise three, we observe the star's light reaching us. W, uh, premise four, the star's light traveled uh, to us through non-wormhole space-time, that's Y. You want to reject that all the stars in the sky have existed. At least that's an entailment on that view because 
guess what? If we, if it's true, if all we see are the photons and not the actual star, um, we see a supernova, that means that star never existed. And so when you look up into the sky and you look at the stars, you would have to bite the bullet on saying, not only do some of those stars not exist, but they never have existed. And I don't know, and actually you, you can laugh, but, but other creationists have recognized this. Barry, Set, Barry Setterfield, who had, who, whose data set you've actually shown in one of your slides has recognized this problem. And that's the reason he goes with the CDK theory, the decaying rate of uh, light theory, as opposed to giving the answer that you just gave. So well-respected creationists have recognized the answer that I'm giving you right now. It's not something to be laughed at. Well, you got a really complicated questions going on here, four or five of them at the same time. Mm -hmm. First of all, um, the, the purpose of this debate is to for you to show that the Earth, the universe is more than 6,000 years old, and your only argument is from starlight. Are there any other that's arguments all I need. you want to talk about? That's all you need. I okay. don't see why. It, I, that's all I need. Okay. If that's all you need, fine. So if indeed you could say the stars, it, it cannot happen in 6,000 years. It cannot be, in your mind, the universe cannot be created with stars showing on the Earth in 6,000 years. It has to be, uh, it, it can't be any other way. It has to be, the Bible is wrong. Is, am I summarizing you correctly there? There, there are, it, it is always, I'm not gonna say there's a logical contradiction entailed by it, but you would have to bite the bullet on things that I think you're uncomfortable in biting the bullet on. So oh. you would have to bite the bullet on one of the following things. Or maybe you are, actually, I don't know. Maybe you are comfortable okay. in saying, um, well, yeah, you're, you could, yeah, I, I mean, look, you'd have bullets. to, I don't want to bite any bullets yeah, yeah, yeah. at all. When I say, yeah, when I say biting the bullet, I mean like a literal, like I know you, you know, it's a figurative, uh, figure of speech. I mean, yeah, okay. You, you would have okay. to accept a proposition that you may be uncomfortable in it, in accepting. No, no, I'm, per so I'm perfectly you, comfortable. I'm fine. Um, okay, okay. So the uh, photons en route, I, I don't believe that. I think God could create, uh, well, Adam had already had a, he could, he could talk first day. God had to create mm -hmm. him with a brain fully loaded computer. I, I don't see a problem with that. I think that's the only way it's going to work. You know, Adam didn't have to learn to walk and talk in the Garden of Eden. He was created able to do those things. So to have a fully formed universe is not a problem in my theology. It's a God that makes me say, wow, what a mighty God we serve. I don't have any problem with that. But to say that- But, but because, here's the issue with that. Well, okay. the, the, the issue with saying, with saying that is that the entailment of that, what follows from that is that when you look up at this quote unquote stars in the sky, that you would have to say that not only do some of those stars not exist, but those quote unquote stars that you see never have existed. You would have to be denying the things that you think you're even seeing. That's what that's the issue. And this is what and this is what other creationists have recognized, and this is why they don't give that answer. Other creationists who have published in in the creation uh, journals uh, that like, like uh, Barry Setterfield that I've mentioned again. Um, They've recognized this is the answer, and that that's why they don't give this response because they've recognized that that is an unpalatable uh, entailment of the answer. If you're okay, if you're comfortable, let's hear, just to be sure, we hear plenty from Kent that. as well. Let's. Yeah. No, I, I have never made that assertion that you're putting in my mouth here. No, I do not say the stars never existed and only the photons existed. I believe God made the stars, every one of them, and I believe some of them have blown up since then. There's been a decaying in the universe. There is no evidence anywhere of any new stars forming. What would they be forming from? And what did the original stars form from? I mean, there's a whole lot of matter in the universe. You have to have a combination of time, space, and matter all being created. 
God settled that in 10 words. In the beginning, time, God created the heaven, space, and the matter. But the Big Bang theorists want to have all the matter in a dot, and the matter and space and energy, all the heat of all the stars, was in a dot, smaller than a proton. I think that's extremely stupid for an okay. intelligent person to believe that. But then they Kent, say that Kent, this has nothing to do with the Big Bang. Well, so this, this has nothing. This has nothing to do with the Big. No, it I'm not relying on the Big Bang at all. Your arguments are based the big on bang. the idea whoa, 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 whoa. that the stars. You believe you can measure the distance to these stars. I don't think you can go past okay. a couple hundred light years with any accuracy to measure. I'll have to look up this okay. new thing you've said. But you got a telescope. Sure. Telescope uh, is is a telescope orbiting the Earth, or is it on a mountain that you're talking I, about? A few extra. No, no, uh, no. no the, tel the, tel the telescope is orbiting a location known as um, Lagrange point two. It's it's uh, it's orbiting Earth at that location. So it's like it's not orbiting. So if we have Earth over here, like if it's my fist, it's not doing this. So here's the Sun, here's the Earth, and here is Lagrange point two. Lagrange right. point two is being orbited by the Gaia telescope. <laughs> but what I want to get to is. Here's the why it entails that some stars never have existed, when, that you quote-unquote see. The entailment is that if we observe stars go from a state of existence to a state of the non-existence, the question is, how did that information, those photons that delineate the star going from a state of existence to non-existence reach us? If you want to say that God created an old world, old universe, just like a great atom with an old beard, then what in, what is entailed from that is that that quote-unquote star never existed as a star. All it, it was, it was a string of photons leading back to the point of a supernova. So you would have to say that when we observe, if you use that answer, you would have to say, unless unless you have some other propositions that you want to tack onto it, you would have to say that you observe that star that you observe never actually existed as a star. That's the issue. You, That's right. You can believe that I believe such a dumb thing. I do not believe that. No, I'm not saying you believe it. Just to be clear, I'm not saying you believe it. I'm just saying that is that is an entailment of that belief. It, I disagree. It, I'm saying that you may not. Oh well, we can we can discuss why it's an entailment. Sure. You may okay. not you may not see why it's an entailment. Yeah, sure. Um, the reason it's an entailment is because if you have a star that is um, greater than 600,000 light years away that you observe to go supernova. And you want to resolve the problem by saying the photons were created in route. That's, that's, that's the resolution. I, I don't. I don't resolve it that way. You keep saying that. I've never okay. That, it by that saying way. by wait, but you're saying you're saying that God created. You're saying that God created an old universe. If that's the resolution, if the resolution is that God created an old universe just like He created Adam with a beard, the issue with that is that we still need an account for the photons delineating the change from the star being existing as a star to the star existing as a supernova to reach us. Now, if you want to say that the age of the, that, that the universe was just created old, what follows from that is that those photons were in route when they, when the universe was created. That's the only way you can get there. Unless you want to tack on other propositions. I'm not, okay. it's well, not just, I, I, it's not just me. You can ask your, okay. you can ask the, your sure, creation sure. of scientist friends as well. They've said this too. It's not just me saying this. You don't have to take my word for it. We have about four different threads going here. It's going to be hard to weave this all together. Sure. Uh, oh, I've never said that, okay, that God, that the photons that came from a non-existent star. I believe, as I said. I didn't say God you said created, it. I said it was just entailed by the creating of the okay. old universe. That's what you believe. That's what you think I believe, and I don't. Okay. So. Okay, but that's true. Very clearly. It's true. Okay. I believe very clearly that God created everything in six literal 24-hour days about 6,000 years ago. 
And I believe he told us 17 times in the Bible that he stretched out the heavens. And I think he said it that many times for a reason. He wants to make sure we get the message. He stretched out the heavens. So I think there is overwhelming evidence that the stars are receding from the earth. All of them seem to be receding from this point. Everywhere we look, we see a red shift. Mm. Well, isn't that strange? If we are expanding with it, or if, if it's come, some of them coming toward us, they should give a blue shift. So they're not. We see red shifts everywhere. I believe the universe is expanding. I believe the universe is wearing out. I believe stars are burning out. I believe, and the, the stretching of the heavens, the, the star could have blown up a thousand years ago. We are just now seeing the explosion because it took so long for the light to get here. I don't have a problem with that. I don't think you've demonstrated that the Earth is more than six, or the universe is more than 6,000 years old, the premise of the debate. Then what, then what premise do you reject to the argument? Yeah, then what okay. premise do you, then what, so so one thing, I'm just real quick, because you've, you've asserted the same response again, the stretching of the heavens, again, the same argument again. You're going to, hey, I live in the South. You're going to have to slow down. I'm getting about every third word Yeah, here. sure. Okay. Sure. the the issue the the issue is that if you start at within the radius of six thousand light years and the stars were stretched out, the issue is we've observed the parallaxes of these stars over time and the parallaxes we've ha haven't been changed. They have we haven't observed that type of change and at that starting distance we would have would have observed it. Again, so what I'd like to know is what premise of my argument do you reject? Like if you say I haven't established it, guess what? It's a deductively valid argument. So you're going to have to reject either premise one or premise two. I'd like to know which premise you reject. Well, I'm, I'm still a little lost here. You're saying, I never said mm -hmm. that everything was within a radius of 6,000 light years. It, everything might have been oh. a, within a radius of, of 30 inches. God could have created things right from I said at least, no, at least, at least, at least. Well, if they're, if they're 30 inches, then they're within a radius of 600, okay. uh, 6,000 so light years. God could have that created would just be, That would just follow. Right. God could have created everything wherever he wanted to create, at least the God that I worship. And he could have written a book and told us clearly what he did. He said very clearly he made everything in six days. That's in the Ten Commandments, and I okay. believe that to be true. And we come to Jesus, my hero, who said that the creation of Adam was the beginning. And so I believe that. And so those are the premises you are rejecting. You are rejecting the idea that the Bible is true, which is your business. <clears throat> You're rejecting the Ten Commandments, which your people believe, I think, or did. Uh, you're rejecting the teaching that everything was created in six days and everything was created perfect. You want it. Where, and, did, this, where did these stars come from? What, Abby, where did the what, stars come Ken, from? What, Ken, I don't, I don't see why I would have to know that in order to know that the age of the universe is greater than 6,000 years old. So I would, again, just repeat that I don't see a premise that, of this argument that's been rejected. Uh, this is a deductively valid argument. What premise do you reject? Is it premise one or premise two? We're going to have to go through this real slow. It's been an hour already. Okay. Sure. Yeah, no if problem. Light, yeah. If light traveled a distance of over, say, 90,000 light years at an average mm -hmm. speed of less than 15C, then the age of the universe mm -hmm. is greater than 6,000. Well, mm -hmm. if light traveled that distance at an average speed of less than 15 times the speed of light, I would go back to what I mm -hmm. said. God is capable of creating things fully mature, fully functioning, and stretching out the heavens, and the speed of light has not been demonstrated to be constant. We don't know what it's been in the past. And we see a red shift. We do see the stars receding. So, yeah, have they always been receding at the same speed? Why would God say it 17 times that he stretched out the heavens? I think it's because he stretched out the heavens. So I so, don't think... 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. Again, we, we've yeah. So so again, that doesn't that's not a rejection of P1. I don't know if you were trying to reject P1, but to say that God stretched out the um, to say that the stars were initially within the the six uh, thousand light year radius or short. I never shorter, said that. Um, I never said that. Well, no, no, no. You you said at any point, like it, okay, so they were stretched out. It, even to say right. that. Um, but I never would, said they were to get around the issue. Light year, I never said they were all within a six thousand light year radius either. You're making that up. Well, presumably, well, presumably you'd want to. Presumably, I'm I'm trying to be charitable and give you a steel man here because you you'd want to say that to resolve the issue of how the light could have reached us, or other, or, or, or unless you want to employ other issues and other propositions. Oh, well, um, I'm not God, trying to like put words in your right. mouth there. Could God? I, I, I know, I know you have other answers. I know there could be other answers. God could have created. I'm not, sorry, I don't mean to like. Yeah, I, I just. Well, but but could, um, the main point I'm trying to. We've got a couple is, of more the, None of these answers we reject. Have to... yeah, yeah. What, we've got a couple more minutes, then we're going to have to go into the Q&A. We'll give you guys a chance to try to draw together some of the threads from this debate. Sure. The issue is none of those explanations actually reject premise one. They're actually just a rejection of premise two. That's all I'm trying to say. Because if God, if God created an old uh, universe um, or stretched out the heavens, then that would be a way of rejecting premise two, that light actually traveled that distance. Because if you rewind the clock back to the creation, then... It would have just appeared uh, because God just created it then. Um, if you're talking about actual uh, time, um, I'm not talking about like the just like I'm not talking about like how the universe appears, but it would be just the actual time itself. So it would be a rejection of P2, not P1. That's all I'm trying to say. Right. Are, are you aware that many people are teaching that time and space are dilation? The, that's the whole theory okay, behind yep, the I'm Yep. Okay. Yep, How I'm familiar with some answers. Yep. Yeah. How would you ask? Uh, yep. How does so, it fit into your theory? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I'm familiar. So that would also be a rejection of uh, P P two. Um, uh, well, actually, sorry, it wouldn't be a rejection of a P two. It would be. Um, actually, no, it would be a rejection of P two. Yeah, it would be a rejection of P two specifically of the component that uh, and um. Sorry. Uh, the yeah. So it would be a rejection of uh, I believe a rejection of uh, P two. Um, Actually, maybe rejection of P1. I have to think about that. But in regard, in regardless, it would it would be responded to because I know of only two ways um, to uh, have that sort of time dilation. Uh, the re the ways it would have that sort of time dilation is one of two ways. Either you'd have to approach two of different observers would have to approach a very high velocity um, relative to one another, close to the speed of light, or there would have to be a massive gravitational well. Uh, that would be uh, astronomical. In any case, it would be a very hard stretch to say that this is what's going on in relation to every single um, star that we observe. And even if you want to say that the, it would actually, it cuts against, it actually, in many cases, it actually makes the problem worse. Because if you actually, the clock, the clocks in many of the cases actually just make slow light down, make light uh, go slower, um, which actually just requires more time. And you don't want to do that if you require 6,000 years uh, to, for the light to get to us. So the problem with asserting those things is they actually make the problem worse many times than they make the problem better. Well, as I'm showing on screen here, if you can call that up full size there for me, uh, James. Uh, sure, one Back second. in 2000, 20, 20 years ago, you got that? Uh, they were able to speed light up to 300 times the speed of light. So you're talking about 15 times the speed of light to get my 6,000 years. Well, they've, they've been able to speed it up to 300 times in laboratories, 300 times the speed of light. So mm -hmm. I just, I just don't see how you can, you're all you're relying on is 
Light, you don't even know what light is. Nobody knows what light is. Give me a jar of it and paint it red. Nobody has a clue what it is. I taught physics for years. I'll try to, we, we know what it does. We can measure the speed of it maybe. But God says that he is light and he created light before he created the sun, moon, and stars. So he created the earth and God himself is light. Later on day three, he made the sun, moon, and stars. So I, I just see the scripture as being, being pretty clear, even though I can't completely comprehend it in my brain. God is capable of doing those things. And so to, to, I don't think we've, uh, your premises you're, you're hung up on here need to be rethought completely. I have a premise that God is able not only to create, but to tell us how he did it and to write a book and to preserve that book. And your people, for heaven's sake, were the ones preserving it all the time, getting killed for doing so. And thank you very much. But you, you ought to read it and believe it, Avi. It, it'll tell you how to go to heaven. Yeah, sure. So, 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 yeah. So, got, I'm not uh, really, I can give you a fun. super short. Yeah. Actually, what I want to do is, we do have a lot of questions, and so I do actually okay, want but, to jump in. That's into fine. But one second, I just want to. Well, Avi, listen. Fine, listen just... up. So the idea is, if you want to have less people get their questions asked while we have you guys, that's okay. But letting you know that. Sure. I'll briefly re I'll respond to that. I'm not just relying on. Um, that is the fact that people, I, I'm not sure about the methodology of this increasing speed of light in the laboratory. That's fine. But even if that's the case, that's fine. I'm not relying on that. I'm relying on that same data set that you're pulling up in the slide right now. I've actually integrated the functions. I've, I've looked at the regression lines. And these are uh, 120 measurements of the speed of light across time. And if you take the integral of that, you don't get enough distance that would carry as much distance as we observe it by parallax trigonometry. And even if you exclude the atomic clock data, uh, from the 19 from 1967 when it was first used as a standard um, so you don't have a rubber ruler it doesn't change the results that much at all I'm relying on data sets I'm not just on data sets that you've cited um, so no I'm not just and I don't see how the laboratory measurements uh, change that okay told you it will be quick gotcha Kent if you have any last responses I'll give you a really short and pithy one given that Avi started tonight and then we absolutely have to go into the Q&A so maybe like 30 second type of response Sure. No, I'm ready to go into Q and A. I, I I stand by what I've said. I think the Bible is true. I think God did. God created it, and He told us how He did it. And I believe that. You got it. And thank you very much, gentlemen. Want to let you know, folks. Our guests are linked in the description, and you can hear or read plenty more from what you've heard tonight by clicking on their links below. As we really do appreciate our guests, and we are going to jump into it with this first question. Stephen Steen, Dad, I miss you. Please answer my calls. Okay. Not mine. Cider Report says the half-life of uranium-238 is 4.5 billion years. It decays into radium-226, which decays into radon-222, then becomes polonium-210, which decays into lead. The existence of lead as an element disproves the 4,000, or they, they meant the 6,000-year-old idea of Earth or the universe. Was that a question? The people... I think that, it was a statement. People that submit Super Chats either put in a question or a comment, but you definitely get a chance to respond. I do? Or Avi? I think they were objecting to you because they said that these things disprove a 6,000-year-old Earth. So uranium decays to lead and other elements along the way, and therefore, because we have lead, it must be more than 6,000 years. So God's not capable of making some lead to begin with. Uh, that don't, it makes no sense at all to me. I think God could create everything, and some radioactive elements, all of them are decaying. Nobody's seeing any increasing, so uh, not without incred incredible input of extra energy. So 
No, it's not a problem at all. Uh, the um, that the dating methods I cover on my video number seven about the carbon dating, potassium, argon, uranium, lead dating. So if they want more on that, we could watch my video seven. I give a half hour answer. So you no, got I'm it. lost. I'm lost on, on how they see a problem there. You got it. Thank <clears> you <throat> very much. And Schrammer Jr. says, can Kent provide some proof either that the universe is old or that an old, oh, I think they mean like created old, or that an old universe is a valid interpretation of the Bible that would convince him? Or, okay, no, that's not what they meant. Sorry, I butchered that. Can Ken provide some proof either that the universe is old or that the universe, or that an old universe is a valid interpretation of the Bible that would convince him of one of those ideas? I'm willing to listen to any evidence. I'm not, I'm not closed-minded at all. All I've seen is, <clears throat> all the evidence indicates a mature creation is the only way it's going to work. I mean, which came first, the male or the female? Uh, you got to have in the same time, same place, and they got to find each other and be interested. You got a host of problems there, but th it has to be a mature, fully functioning creation. It's not going to work otherwise. There are all kinds of billions of symbiotic relationships where plants require certain animals and animals require certain plants. The idea of it all being made in six days, all functioning, all working smoothly. I just don't have a problem with worshiping a God like that. Gotcha. And thank you very much for this question coming in from Stephen Steen says premise one assumes that God could not create light traveled from the distance stars as part of creation. This is unjustified and premise one can be dismissed immediately. So that's completely false. It assumes no such thing. Um, it, all it's, it's again, premise one is a conditional. So it says if light traveled at a distance of this given distance at a, a speed of less than this speed, then the age of the universe is less than 6,000 years old. This is just entailed mathematically by what distance and time is defined to be in relation to distance and speed. Um, you, you, you can do the division if you'd like. If you want to say that um, God can do something such that the light is already there, or he can create an old universe, which would entail that the light is in route, even though that is dismissed, or if he wants to do any of these things, um, you're just denying premise two, not premise one, that light actually traveled that distance at a, uh, less than that uh, given velocity. You're not denying premise one. So that's a that's a, a conditional. Um, so it's it's not actually asserting P. It's saying just P implies Q. That's all. It's not assuming anything about what God, or God cannot, can or cannot do. Gotcha. Chris says, Kent asking, quote unquote, why can't one observe the entire birth cycle of a star when you know that the process is extremely gradual, why would you ask that when the process is, uh, they say, extremely gradual? Well, Chris, how do you know it happens at all? To say it's extremely gradual is a polite way of saying we don't, we never see it, we don't know it, but we believe it. You're, you're demonstrating you have a religious belief that stars can form. You really believe dust can accumulate into a solid and ignite. Where's the gravitational pull between these dust particles? Is gravity what's going to cause this? Nobody's ever been able to give a reasonable theory of how stars form. One guy years ago taught if 20 stars explode near enough, they can produce the energy to push the dust together and make a new star. Oh, so you got to lose 20 to gain one. Brilliant. You ought to run for Congress. Help them guys borrow their way out of debt. Uh, it's it's at, nobody's has a clue how stars can form. There are various theories. There's all kinds of hypotheses, but nobody's certainly nobody's observed it. And you're just admitting it there, Chris, to saying, well, it happened so gradually, of course we can't see it. That doesn't prove it happened. 
in any court of law, you'd be laughed out. If that's your evidence, we know stars formed because we can't see it happening. Come on, try again. Dr. Experiments in Prebiotic Chemistry says, Kent, this is more of a theological question they have for you. They said, if Satan knows for sure that God exists and yet he chose to rebel, then it seems like the free will defense against the problem of evil is out. So why doesn't God intervene to stop all evil and suffering? Well, I thought we want to stick on age of the universe here on this debate. I mean, James, I'll go off any tangent you want to. You want to have another one on that? Or? You got it. We will jump to the next one as we do have a lot of questions. And folks, I got to let you know for sure, please don't send in any more questions. We won't be able to get to them. We have limited time. And we're going to just hopefully get to all the questions that we have here. Logical, plausible, probable says right after the debate, 20 minute sneak peek of Dr. James tour interview plus epic after show and open mic discussion on who won tonight's debate. So thanks for that. Logical, plausible and Rory Borkman. Thanks for your super sticker experiments and prebiotics said Kent. So Adam and Eve, let's see, it's probably another theological one. So they said, so Adam and Eve ate one forbidden fruit one time. So then we all deserve to die horrible deaths and babies deserve to get cancer until the end of time. Is this the case if you want to pass on it given that it's not per se on the yeah, age well, of the universe stick on the age of the universe i'll, I'll take on all these tell them to call my my, my uh, youtube channel uh kent hovind official where we have q a every friday night and i'll be glad to take that take that one on gotcha this one coming in from logical plausible says right after the debate again 20 minutes sneak peek of the dr james tour interview epic after show and open mic discussion on who won tonight's debate as well as Patriot University PhD says most of us will be at Amy Newman's after show and you should come over to that after show. So there's more than one after show. And Magellan says Kent brought his baking soda. Let's see. Yeah, I don't even know if that makes sense. But Silent Zero, thanks for your question, said welcome to Narnia. Okay. Sip, thank you for your question, said last Thursday. Yeah, looking for serious questions here. I'm going to read it just to humor you. But... Uh, Last Thursdayism, great spaghetti monster created everything last Thursday with the appearance of age and everything with its current properties. Okay, so I think they're trying to do a parody argument, Kent. I don't, it's not really, but it's not, I don't see the thrust of the actual parody argument. Uh, if you want to respond, you can. I don't know if it's worth responding to. Well, no, no, I want to stick with the uh, age. The whole premise that Avi has given, his entire premise is based on the idea because of stars being too far away, therefore, the Bible's wrong. Gotcha. That's his whole argument. I do want to mention, folks, we are oh, looking interpretation for... interpretation of the Bible is wrong, too, but yeah. Okay. We are looking for serious questions, folks, and want to let you know we are considering quick public service announcement. Forgive me, Kent and Avi. But want to let you know, folks, we are considering in the future we may actually... It may be a risk to do Super Chat in the sense that we may read like the questions that are clear and coherent during the debate and then maybe read the other th like questions that are not necessarily coherent in the post credit scene because sometimes questions are not either related or sometimes they're not coherent, but that's rare to be fair. Carl Sagan says, okay, gotcha. Appreciate yours. Uh, actual, we'll read that later. Actual, so it's, it's coherent, but not related. Actual socialist trash. Thank you. My favorite name says, how do you reconcile this is for Kent. How do you reconcile the chromosome 2 fusion in humans and the obvious endogenous retroviruses that match perfectly with humans and chimps? No common design, please. Well, 
We'll give you a chance so to there, respond if there, you like. He's saying there are similar, again, we're off on a different topic, but there are similarities in the chromosomes of humans and chimps, he thinks. Actually, people don't, you better really study that. Okay, I could, I could put documents and say, look at the similar documents. These, these, these two documents both use the same 26 letters of the English alphabet. Aha, uh -huh. that proves they're related. That's Got the language which, with your, with, that's what you write English with, 26 letters. So, no, same designer argument is very valid in all of these. And I think the differences between humans, if, if this guy wants to be related to a chimp, go for it, okay? You can have any kind of ancestors you want. Uh, some of my ancestors swung by their necks, but none of them swung by their tails. Uh, so I think it's, it's silly if a person, they, they want so badly to be related to animals so they can justify acting like an animal. My humble, totally unbiased opinion on the topic. Okay. Gotcha. And thanks so, very much. Yeah, Ken. Yeah. So, so I think the question, I, I think the point of the question is that when you look at endogenous, now this, I agree, it's a difference in the debate topic, but I think the point that he's trying to get across is that those specific sequences of endogenous retroviruses being the GAG, POL, and ENB genes um, are recognized specifically for coming for a, for, from a, diff, a specific source, which are, endo, which are retroviruses. Um, sure. And the retroviruses insert their uh, genes into our genes. And when they get into the gametes, uh, the sex cells, uh, we can reproduce and, and every cell in the uh, offspring will have those genes. And so the point oh. is that they think, yeah. And so if we find those, those specific endogenous retroviruses in the same uh, sequences, it would give someone an inference to infer common ancestry. I think that's the point. That or, they're trying to get or they both now, you can say a, God created them. Yeah. Right, right. Or they both went through a common catastrophe that would have caused something to happen. I think Frank Sherwin at Institute for Creation Research, ICR.org, is a good longtime friend of mine in Dallas. He has done a great article on that. Uh, so it certainly does not prove common ancestry. That is one way you could interpret it if you wish. I don't wish to be uh, related to a chimpanzee. I've got uh, but if, if he wants to be, that's fine. I'm going to jump to this next one. This one coming in from Mike, Mike Billars. Thank you very much. Said, did God create a supernova on day one? I'm not asking about a star that went supernova, but just a supernova. I think that's for you, Ken. No idea. Gotcha. No idea what God did on day one. And Mitchell asks, question for Avi. If light is subject to entropy and it is a wave and particle simultaneously, according to your paradigm, they say, how is it that radio waves travel instantaneously knowing that they require photons to travel? I'm not sure um, if radio, I'm not sure what the inferences to radio waves or information actually traveling uh, to distances uh, instantaneously or how that uh, entails that they travel instantaneously or what that has to do with my argument. Nothing, again, nothing in my argument actually uh, requires a given paradigm of what light is. I don't need to know uh, if it's a wave or a particle or partially wave, partially particle or what its behavior is. Um, all I need to, again, none of that stuff is, none of, nothing in my argument relies on that. All it relies on is if we have a given dis distance of the source of the light and the light was traveling at an average speed of less than a given number, then ana by analytic entailment, we can infer the distance. And if we shoot down all these um, uh, excuses, I would say, because there are post hoc rationalizations, um, then the argument goes through. Really, really, the argument should go through in virtue. No premise has just been rejected. Again, like I, I just keep asking for what premise is rejected. P1, and I haven't heard P1, I haven't heard P2. I've been trying my best to find out what premise is rejected, um, but 
yeah, I just I just want to know what premise is rejected. Um, so and, and nothing and nothing in that question, nothing in in my argument relies on any of these paradigms. Um, gotcha. I don't even if it's a photon or web, doesn't matter. Gotcha. And Ozzy, and thanks for your question, said, Kent, would you ever accept that the Earth is over 10,000 years old? No matter what the evidence shows, are you always going to presuppose that the Bible is true and unfalsifiable? Well, I'm willing to look at any scientific evidence. I think anybody should. I think we should also be cautious that all, all, all the time we interpret anything we see through our paradigm, and I have a paradigm, of course, that I do believe, I've come to believe that the Bible is literally true and the earth is created instantly in six days. It's the only way it works with all the billions of symbiotic relationships. So I, I've never seen any reliable evidence that would make me reject the idea of a 6,000-year-old earth. I don't think potassium argon would do it or uranium lead or carbon-14 or carbon-13. None of the dating methods I've seen, uh, there are none that cannot be explained with the 6,000-year-old earth. And I certainly don't think he has ex demonstrated the 6,000 years is wrong with his P1 or P2. Uh, he, he can believe that if he wants, but we don't know what light is. We don't know it's always traveled the same speed. We know the velocity of light can be altered up or down. And the God that I worship can make everything fully functioning, fully uh, intact. He made a full-grown man, full-grown woman, first day, full-grown garden. They had something to eat, first day. I, I just, I see it, I don't see it working any other way. Gotcha. Logically, it's not going to work. Gotcha. And logical, possible, probable strikes again, saying right after this debate, 20 minute sneak peek of Dr. James Tour interview, epic after show and open mic discussion, who won tonight's debate. And Amy Newman also says after show at Amy Newman's channel, Kent asked a question, said, I don't believe in the Bible. Do you think there are any scientific ways to know the age uh, the age of the earth purely scientifically, so not relying on the Bible. Well, yes, on my video number one, I cover about 30 different ways to look at the different different parameters. If I told you this ink pen was 8,000 years old, you could probably logically disprove that and say, hold it, this has got plastics in it, and they weren't developed until after World War II. So it's got to be after 1946. Oh, and you could find its Bit Corporation, which was created in 1960 or whenever that was. Oh, therefore... With a couple of simple logical steps, you could prove my 8,000-year age of the pen is wrong and probably more like, you know, less than 50 years old, maybe less than 30. So there are different ways to narrow down the age of the Earth without the Bible at all. You could look at the human population. There are, what, six, uh, six billion people in the world. I, I do the population graph, growth curve on my video number one and show that um, there are all kinds of ways without the Scriptures. The, if man had been here for millions of years, the population would have exploded a long time ago. The erosion rate of the continents, the erosion rate of Niagara Falls, the salt in the ocean is increasing. It's 3.6%. They can watch the salt increase. There are all kinds of non-scriptural parameters that say less than billions, less than millions. And none of them point to exactly 6,000, but that's not the point. The point is you can reject the billions of years, lots of scientific ways, just from things we see on the earth. I cover that. And the sun is burning up 5 million tons of fuel a second. You go gotcha. back, it's shrinking five feet an hour. That's what's been observed. We'll go back in time. Pretty soon you got a problem. You can't go back billions of years without the whole universe being burned up by just our little sun. The moon's getting farther from the earth a couple inches a year. It's been measured. Gotcha. They know that. It goes back to a 1 billion year time max on the earth moon system. I hate to interrupt. Just watch my just video to... number one, drdino.com. Okay? Getting any more questions. Foxfire, thank you very much for your, your question, said. Mr. Science Man Kent, what is a Langrange point 
in detail. Am I saying that right? Langrange? Uh, Lagrange. Lagrange. Thank point. you very much. Well, uh, Lagrange Point, I think what he's, what, what Alfie said, I'm curious about this. They have a satellite circling out, not circling the Earth. What is, do they have to constantly change direction? This is going to take an enormous amount of fuel, unless it's orbiting something it gravitationally. Doesn't. It doesn't. That's the point. The point. The point of a Lagrange point is that it actually minimizes the amount of fuel that's taken. And just to be clear, James, was that question for me or for Kent? Because uh, I was the one who mentioned Lagrange points first. Yeah, yeah. Unless... You, you mentioned it. I, I, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious how how anything can can stay yeah. in a Lagrange point. It has to be yeah. using somebody's gravity. Is it using Moon's gravity, Earth's gravity? Is it a combination? How is it staying? It's too, using a too. conjunction. Yeah, it's it's using a conjunction of the Earth and the Sun's uh, gravity. So there's there's four different Lagrange points at which, right. um, if you place an object there, um, then the math just works out. The gravitational forces work out such that um, the object will stay stationary um, in that with relative to the Earth and the Sun, um, mm -hmm. with very little um, inputs that are required. That's why these uh, in these missions, certain satellites are put at one of these four Lagrange points. One of the Lagrange points, so if we have the sun over here and the earth over here, you have a Lagrange point here, uh, sorry, here, 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 and here. Um, and in those four points, it just happens to be that there is a, um, a gra the, the gravitational vectors work out such that the object will stay stationary with relation to the earth and the sun with very little force inputs required, and that's how you right. optimize the fueling. So it's being pulled by gravity of the sun and the Earth equally. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, and then because that, and you said it puts it out, how many, how far away is that Lagrange point from the Earth? It's not, it's, like, like I said, it, it was a, it was a nit, it was a nit, I, I described it as a nitpick, and it, and it is, it's just, it just extends the base of the triangle a little bit more uh, in, in relate. Yeah. It's, it's, if you want to be precise, it's 1.5 uh, million kilometers. Uh, which is, it may seem like a big number, but in relation to the actual distance, which is 150 million kilometers, it's not a lot. It just increases it a little bit. It wasn't, nothing turns on it. It's just a little nitpick I had, that's all. Right, gotcha. and to, so to get, to get, instead of a 16-inch base of your triangle looking at Chicago, you now have a 16.1-inch. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, what does the work, what does the work, yeah, what does the work is not is not increasing the, the, the base of the triangle. What does the work is the, um, mil hundreds of millions of dollars that were put into technology to measure infinitesimally small angles. Well, this it does question. the work is they put hundreds of million dollars into it, and they have to justify it somehow. I've got spend a, all that money on something that was, I think, completely useless. But go ahead. I do want to uh, that one for the record, Avi. That one was for Kent. They said, "Mr. Science Man Kent," unless you okay. go by that name. <laughs> but uh, let's see. Welcome Gun says the universe without a creator. Not super on topic for you, Avi, but. Nonetheless, if you want to humor it, they say the universe without a creator is mathematically impossible. I'm not saying that Kent is right regarding the age of the Earth, but I am saying that atheism is wrong. And they are saying creationism doesn't equal Christianity at the end. But Avi, what do you think? They're attacking your... Well, are you a lactheist or well, atheist? Well, I'm, I'm an agnostic. Um, I, don't, I don't know is, is my answer. Um, I, don't, I don't describe myself as an atheist, uh, both a positive or... Um, or the uh, a type of atheist that lacks belief. I'm, I'm, a, I'm I describe myself as an agnostic. Um, but anyway, um, to to the point. Yes, I agree. It's a it's a change in the debate topic. Um, but 
I mean, it, I, I, if you think you have some kind of, um, you can derive a contradiction with respect to the laws of mathematics and the lack of a creator, I'd like to see the mathematical formula and specifically what the, um, what propositions form the contradiction or what uh, equations that we can derive that form such a contradiction to occur. Um, and if you want to present that, that's fine. Um, I'd be interested in it, but it has nothing, nothing about this debate turns on that. Gotcha. And Magellan, thanks you. Thank you for your question. Says C-E-R-N confirmed that last September's results that showed neutrinos traveling faster than light were caused by faults in its testing equipment. I don't know who this would be for. That's, that is true. I remember reading, I do remember reading that article. Every time I've seen, and that's why I was skeptical of like these laboratories so be... that claim that they've sped up lights. Like, I'm not sure who that question was directed to, but, gotcha. um, or that statement was directed to, but I, yeah. So every time I've seen it, it's possible, but every time I've seen that, it, it turns out that there's like some erratum that was published later or that it was faulty equipment or something. But regardless, it still doesn't turn on any of the debate because Again, the light that is in question actually wasn't the light that was produced in the laboratory. It's observed light based on um, data sets that were collected over time um, by um, by certain individuals. Um, but we're trying to get an answer to this question. Gotcha. And Pineapple Platypotamus says, I've remote viewed and I've told the CIA, do you both disagree with psychic powers existing? Uh, I do. Um, I, at least I don't see any reason to accept psychic, uh, psychic powers. Um, like tarot, if you mean like tarot card readings or like, um, people who read the palms and stuff or tell, so. tell your fortune. Definitely. Yeah. I don't believe in that. No. Gotcha. You might have something in common. Kent, I don't think you do either. I don't either. Right. Gotcha. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Jake, we have just a few more minutes, folks, and we're, then we're going to have to wrap up. But Jake Dragalis, want to remind you, folks, our guests are linked in the description. And that includes if you're listening via podcast, folks. You can find our our guest links in the description box for the podcast episode for this debate as well. And Jake Dragalis says, for both gentlemen, what would convince you to change your mind? If nothing, why bother looking at any evidence? Um, just a quick correction um, for... Uh, I believe there may be not, I think I may have misspoken on the number of Lagrange points. Uh, there may be five points um, and not four points. I may have, um, I'm just getting corrections that I'm, um, yeah, there are five Lagrange points. There's L1 to L5. So apologies for that. Um, I forgot one of the Lagrange points. Gotcha. And Kent, if you want to respond, you may. I had to repeat the question. I got a little distracted here. Uh, no what problem. What would convince me to change? Is that yes, it? Right. What would convince me to change? Yep. Ah, I'm willing to look at any evidence. I've been doing this for 52 years. I've been a Christian and accepted the Lord as my Savior 52 years ago, and I've been reading the Bible, and I taught science 15 years. I love science. Science means knowledge. What do we know? We know dogs produce dogs. Now, we know that. Gotcha. We do not know that dogs and mosquitoes have a common ancestor. You can believe that. That's outside of science. So I'm willing to look at any evidence. I'll look at the Lagrange points. But again, it doesn't matter. You're only adding you know, 0.1%. You're still not made. And you're all relying on you don't know these great distances to these stars, so you get 10% more accuracy in measuring them. Most people say you can't measure more than a few hundred light years. After that, it becomes wild guesswork. Not anymore. Okay. Not anymore. Well, that, so that used to be, it used to be that case. That's by, so that was true when you made these seminars, when you made these, um, these recordings. And I've seen, I've seen them, but we've did, there's been an enormous amount of progress since then in measuring small angles, and that's not what people say anymore. 
people actually will, if you ask anyone in the field um, who's familiar with uh, the um, Gaia mission, they will tell you that that distance has been pushed out with parallax triangulation. So they can measure the distance to a star now beyond 6,000 mm -hmm. light years because of parallax yep. trigonometry from a satellite at the Lagrange point. Is that your based based on in based yeah based on based on advances in technology in measuring small angles yes okay gotcha and i, I stand by what i said i i, I don't I, i'd have to really have that proven to me i'm willing to listen listen sure but even then yeah we can go we can go through it after yeah. right if they could prove the distance if they could that still wouldn't neglect negate my premise so what the speed of light is still well, a factor and the instant creation is still a factor and the stretching of the heavens is still a factor. Go ahead. All factors that I've, res all factors that I've responded to, and I don't think I need to repeat the, the, the addressing each one again. Um, but if you want that at some point, we can have a follow-up debate and, and we can go through those in more detail in all in, in their entirety. Gotcha. And William Clapper says, love the debates. Thanks, William. Thanks for your feedback. And all credit to the speakers who are linked in the description as they are the lifeblood of the channel. We really do appreciate them. And Tyler West asked, Kent, if God spread out the galaxies faster than the speed of light to get their present position, why wasn't the light redshifted into oblivion? I don't know. I'll ask him when I get there. And you can ask him when you get wherever you're going. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I think what he's trying to say, Ken, is that, you know, you would have certain expectations if it was stretched out, right? You would expect there would be like this. If you were to go from this massive stretch, it seems like there would be a massive redshift. Um, there's other problems, too. There's like I mentioned that you don't observe I, the change. Of the I want to just to keep it on yeah, the topic of the question. And just because I do want to get you guys out of here in that hour and a half as promised, I, will, I do uh, want to give Kent a chance to respond to this particular point before you bring up new points, Avi, and then we have to wrap up. Ken, did you have anything you want to say to that point from Avi regarding the question? The red, the red, the red shift, yeah. Well, the red shift, I think, is the Doppler effect of light, if we understand if light can be affected by a Doppler effect, which apparently it can't, red shift, blue shift. Um, so the, the star moving away would create a red shift, the Doppler effect, the stretching of the light wave. Well, if the light wave can be straight, if you can get a red shift at all, that ought to bring wells and somebody said, wow, light can be stretched. Light can be refracted. It can be slowed down, speeded up. The fact that we can even get a redshift is a strong indication that there's something about light, which we don't know what it is, that is able to uh, be speeded up or slowed down. So I think it, it really opens up the, the door to say, wow, I think I'm going to believe the Bible until it's proven wrong. I don't think it's been proven wrong because of the starlight or the distance. Gotcha. Just to real quick, the, Wait, the red hold on one shifted, second. Shifted I, this is a, I do want to, because the question was for Kent, I do want to give him the last word because the objection was for him. I, but I want to also mention, folks, want to give you a friendly reminder out there. Thank you for not insulting our guests. We encourage you to attack the arguments, but we don't want you to attack the person because we really do appreciate them and we want them to feel welcome. And so attack arguments of either side as much as you want. Attack me if you want. But we do want to say, folks, we really do appreciate the guests, so please don't attack the person. Please uh, what I was going to say is quick public service announcement again is I do have some people that'll email or in the chat be like, Hey, why did my, uh, we are like, my, we are actually blocking people if they're doing this. And so for real, want to let you know that we have started to like tighten, kind of tighten things up as we really frankly should have done that long ago. It's long overdue. So anyway, our guests are linked in the description. Thank you, Kent and Avi. We appreciate you both for hanging out with us. 
It's been a true pleasure. And we are going to, in a moment, I'm going to be back with a post-credits scene, folks, to let you know about upcoming epic stuff for this channel. So stick around for that. But one last thank you to Kent and Avi. It's been a true pleasure to have you. All right. Thanks for having us. All right. Hey, anytime. Thank you, sir. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.